I want to welcome you to the Paxton Church of Christ this morning. You know, if there's one thing that has become obvious during this pandemic and the recent unrest, it is that there is disparity between people. I mean, some people have so much, while other people have so little. And so today, we're going to ask God that very question. Why do some have so much and some so little? Before we try to answer that question... Let's just pray. Dear, dear Father, we've been asking you some tough questions. And, and so, God, we're looking for answers. You promise in your word to give us wisdom when we ask. And so we're asking this morning. And so speak to us uh, through your word. May our hearts, minds, and life be open to it. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let me introduce you to a grandmother I met several years ago in South Africa. She was living among the poorest of the poor in a a region known as Imsimbudu. At that point, she had lost her daughter and son-in-law due to AIDS, and so she alone was taking care of her 16-year-old granddaughter and her 12-year-old grandson. Sadly, the granddaughter was pregnant, having been taken advantage by some of the older men in the village. This family lives in a small adobe house, grass hut. No electricity, only a few simple furnishings inside. A couple of beds, a table and chairs, a small wood stove and a few cabinets and shelves for dishes, clothing, and and very little food. They, They were really one of the lucky ones. They they lived only a hundred yards from the village's one water faucet. They have an outhouse for their bathroom, which is simply a small wooden structure with a hole in the ground. The grandmother and mother must do their wash down at the village pond, which is shared with cattle and children that drink and bathe there. Their their yard is is a garden, hoping to raise some of their own food, but the ground there is dry and the plants are are sparse. They have no vehicle, and so they, like their neighbors, must walk or take a bus that really is too expensive for them. The family's only income is a small old-age pension that the grandmother receives, but it isn't enough even to begin to provide for them. People, it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair that we should have so much while others have so little. And we don't have to go as far as South Africa to find them. There are plenty struggling financially right here in the United States. Plenty struggling right here in the Paxton area. And let's be honest, we we don't often think about the poor except maybe when we see those commercials that remind us of children going without food. I mean, shouldn't their hunger touch our hearts? Shouldn't the plight of the poor break... Break our hearts. Again, we have so much and others have so little. Before we consider what I believe God wants you and me to do as believers about the world's poverty, I thought that it'd be good to look at a few of the basic causes for such poverty. One of the major causes of poverty today is social injustices. There there are governments and businesses who use and abuse the poor. 
This was true back in Old Testament times. The prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 10, verses 1 and 2, and this is from the contemporary Bible, the message, Doomed to you who legislate evil, who make laws that make victims, laws that make misery for the poor, that rob my destitute people of dignity, exploiting defenseless widows and taking advantage of homeless children. The reason for a lot of poverty among blacks in South Africa, what was a government policy known as apartheid, which forced the blacks to live in the poorest and most unproductive parts of the country. Evil governments have also, in other countries, caused the poor to get poorer, while the rich in those countries get richer. We see it in a country like Haiti, But we see that same kind of divide between the rich and the poor here in our countries. And government policies may be a part of the problem. But but sometimes it's unethical businesses that take advantage of the poor. Unethical people. James wrote in James 5 verses 4 and 5, Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. Now that same thing happens today. Some people have a lot of money today because they're not paying their employees what they deserve. And as a result, some people stay poor and dependent And so such social injustices cause poverty. Another reason for poverty is physical and mental problems. The the Bible gives us a perfect example in the fifth chapter of Mark, which tells us about a woman who had a bleeding problem for 12 years, and so she came to Jesus to be healed. It says in Mark 5.26, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and had spent all she had, and yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. The woman was impoverished because she spent all she had on her physical problem. And some people are poor today because of the physical or mental problems that they may have. Another cause of a lot of poverty is poor health choices. Some people get caught up in addictive behaviors, which end up taking all of their money. That's the reason Solomon warned in Proverbs 23.20, Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Haven't we all seen that kind of thing happen? A drinking problem, a a drug problem, a gambling problem, a credit problem, a work problem, and a family is left with nothing. And that just doesn't happen in the United States, but people around the globe make poor life choices, and that results in family poverty. Another cause of poverty is wars and unrest. There have been many sections of Africa that were once beautiful and productive areas, but today, because of wars and unrest, there is a widespread poverty and hunger. It happens in places like Uganda and Somalia and Congo in Africa, like Kosovo in, in, in Europe, Afghanistan, 
and Sudan and the Middle East and Burma and Southeast Asia. And it's happening right here in the United States. Much of the current unrest is creating greater poverty. Wars and unrest are causing millions of people worldwide to suffer today. And another cause of poverty is simply life circumstances. I, I was born into a middle-class family. They were living at the time in the inner city of St. Louis. However, I grew up in the suburbs of St. Louis. My, my dad had a good job working for the Internal Revenue Service. I mean, I can't remember a time that we didn't have plenty of food. But people, that's not true for everyone. For years, Christy and I sponsored a child in South Africa. She was born into a poor family in another rural village. Her dad couldn't find a job. And so he had to leave the family and go into the bigger city. But there was no guarantee that there was a job there. I mean, life has simply been better for me than it was for this South African child. And life has been better for me than many in the inner city of St. Louis or the inner city of Champaign-Urbana. And I believe we make a mistake if we close our eyes and our hearts to children and Adele's who struggle with poverty and hunger all of their lives. Now you may ask this morning, doesn't God care about these poor people? Doesn't He, shouldn't He, do, do something to help them? This morning I want you to know that God does care for those who are poor and impoverished around the world. Even those who may have brought poverty upon themselves. As a matter of fact, God has a special place in his heart towards poor people. Psalm 69 verse 33 says, For the Lord hears the cries of his needy ones. He does not despise his people who are oppressed. We have a God who hears the cries of the poor. And he does not look down upon them, but he loves them. And wants to make a difference in their lives. Look also at Psalm 72 verses 12 and 13. It says, He will rescue the poor when they cry to Him. He will help the oppressed who have no one to defend them. He feels pity for the weak and needy and He will rescue them. According to these verses, God wants to rescue the poor and the needy. He wants to help out those who are in this plight, and God's means for doing that. God's means for helping the poor has always been his people. That's the reason that the Lord told the Jews in the Old Testament to open their hearts and share with the poor. Because those who have been blessed were to help those who needed the blessing. And people, the same principle is taught in the New Testament to us as believers. We've been blessed to help those who need a blessing. And, and so there are three specific things that you and I as Christians should do in response to poverty. First of all, we should stand up for the poor. In, in a world that sometimes mistreats, despises, and ignores the poor, we need to know that God and Christian believers need to let the, the poor know that, that God cares for them. And we need to stand up for them. Just listen to what God tells us in His Word 
He speaks through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 1, 17. Learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the orphan, fight for the rights of the widows. As followers of Jesus, we should learn to do that which is right and good with reference to the poor. We should seek justice where there is injustice. We, we should help out those who are oppressed and down and out. We should stand up and defend the orphans. We should go to bat and fight for, for the rights of the widows. Proverbs 31.9 says it this way, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. So again, God wants us to speak out for justice for those who cannot speak for themselves. He needs us to stand up for the rights of those who are poor and destitute. And again, those who are poor and impoverished need to know that God and his people are in their corner. Let me give you God's definition of a pure and faultless religion. This is what God wants Christianity to be. He defines it over in James 1.27. Religion... That, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. From God's perspective, what real religion is all about, it is all about looking after poor orphans and widows in their distress and keeping oneself from being corrupted by the world. Christianity is not mainly about coming to church on Sundays. It's not about singing songs and worship. At least not mainly so. It's about standing up, looking after the poor. It's about looking and living the Christian life in a corrupt world. We can talk about Christianity all we want, but we won't be able to impact an unbelieving world for Christ until we live the life, and part of living the life is reaching out in love to the poor. And so that's the first specific thing that we as Christians should do in response to world poverty. We should stand up for the poor. And then a second thing, we should help the poor with their needs. As I studied what the Bible has to say about helping the poor, I was overwhelmed by all that the Bible taught about caring for those in poverty. For example, the Jewish people were told in the Old Testament law to help people who were poor by letting them glean or gather the crop from the corners of the fields. They were also to let the poor have whatever crop grew up in the seventh year, the Sabbath year, when the fields rested. They were to provide uh, interest-free loans for them. They, they were to divide bread with the hungry. They were to give clothes to the naked. God wanted his Old Testament people, the Jews, to help those who were in need, and God as much wants the New Testament people, Christians, to help poor people in need. Look, look with me at three scriptures. The first one comes from the Apostle Paul. 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 and 18. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, 
but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. I know that often we skip over verses like this because it says it's directed at the rich in this present world, and we don't consider ourselves rich. And in one sense, we may not be rich, but in comparison with many people in our nation and around the world, we are rich, abundantly rich. Most of us have uh, more than enough to live off. And so we need to hear God's commands to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. God doesn't want us to just consume our money on our own selfish pleasures. Rather, we're to take it, at least some of it, and generously share it with those in need. It is what the Christian faith is all about. Look again at second scripture, James 2, verses 14 through 16. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can't such faith save him? I mean, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go and I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? I mean, these are strong words. The kind of faith that saves us is a faith of action. It needs to be shown in the life that we live. And one of the most important ways that we show our Christian faith is by providing physical needs for the poor and the impoverished. If we have the means to share, God wants us to share. Look look at one more scripture, this one from the Apostle John, again called the Apostle of Love. 1 John 3, 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? You and I can't say that we love God if we aren't serious about helping meet the needs of the poor. We can't say that we believe in Jesus if we aren't serious about providing for the needs of those who cannot provide for themselves. As I have said many times to you, we have been blessed to be a blessing We have been blessed to be a blessing. And so the second specific way that we as believers should respond to the world's poverty is we should help the poor with their needs. And then a third thing. We should share Jesus with the poor. We must never forget that the most important need of the poor is not food to satisfy their hunger. It's not clothes to cover their nakedness. It is not water to quench their thirst. It is not education to train their children. It is not loans to help their businesses. It is not better homes to live in. The most important need of poor people is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And people, that's true of all people. All people in the United States and all people around the globe. No matter how much money they have. And and so we need to make sure that when we reach out and minister to the poor, that we do it in the name of Jesus. I've learned through the years that foreign aid from the United States government is not the way to help the poor and impoverished around the world. 
For example, the, Un the United States literally pours billions of dollars into Haiti in, in aid and food every year. But most of that doesn't reach the people. The government there is so corrupt, it sells those goods that's been given to them instead of giving it away. And you can find it for sale, the marketplace. The best way to help poor people in Haiti is through Christian missions in Haiti. The, the best way to help poor people in South Africa is through mission, again, organizations, benevolent organizations that lift up the person of Christ. The best way to help poor people in the inner city is through Christian works that are making a difference. But let me say one more thing. The best way to help the poor people in this area is to get involved in reaching out personally. The Good Samaritan got down and dirty to help the traveler who had been robbed and left for dead. And so I believe it's time for us to, for us as the church and as individual believers to get down and dirty to help those in need. Whether it's in our own backyard or on the other side of the globe. Again, it is an important part. Matter of fact, it's an essential part of what Christianity is all about. Sharing needs and sharing Jesus. And so the third specific thing that we could do in respect to the world's poverty is we should share Jesus with the poor. Let me, let me give you some practical application and read one more scripture and then we'll close this morning. Three, three things I'd like to suggest that we need to do as a result of this morning's message. I think each of us, e each of you who are here, including myself, you need to personally decide what you are doing to help the poverty in, in, in our area, and around the world. We, we need to evaluate what we're doing personally to help with poverty here and around the world. Second, look for ways for you and other believers where you can help the poor both physically and spiritually. Look, look for those opportunities. And again, we're, we're starting an outreach ministry and we're looking for those opportunities as a church. Because again, we want to impact this area for Christ. And, and again, we want to meet needs in the name of Jesus. And so last of all, take action and get involved in helping the poor, both locally and globally. You know, those are easy to say. Those are challenges to do. But again, God wants us the means that he has for helping poor people today is his people, his church. There's a passage in the Bible that always convicts me when it comes to helping the poor. And it's found in Matthew, the 27th chapter. At the end of the chapter, Jesus pictures what final judgment would be like. Everyone in all the nations will be off before him and he will separate people from each other as a shepherd would separate his sheep from his goats. And so I want you to hear what he said to the sheep on the right, those that he wanted to reward. Matthew 5, verses 35 through 40. I was hungry 
and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Are thirsty and give you something to drink? When, when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Ah, doesn't that scripture challenge us? We need to be about meeting people's needs. Let's pray. Dear Father, help us not just to be hearers of this message, but help us to be doers of, of this message. We have people around us who, who again, are, are struggling. Uh, some may be struggling financially. Some may be struggling emotionally. Some may be struggling spiritually, and and we're here. We've been placed here as your people to be your witness, to be your hands and your feet. And so, God, just help us to do that. Help us to care for those who have needs. God, I thank you so very much for the blessings that you've brought into my life and the blessings that you brought into our church, and just help us. Help us to use these blessings to bless others in your son's name. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. I, I want to close this morning by just thanking you for listening uh, this morning on the radio. Uh, we're, we're glad that you've taken the time to share with us uh, this morning. We, we invite you to uh, come and share with us every Sunday morning at 1030 But we also want you to know that our church is reopened as well, and we invite you to come for worship. We've got some guidelines that we follow to keep everyone safe, but we invite you also to come for worship on Sunday mornings, again at 1030. Uh, It's been great sharing with you this morning, and I just pray God's blessing upon you in, in the week ahead. Have a great week.